Hi there and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. God bless you. You can be seated in the house. Praise the Lord. Welcome to New Heights on a Sunday morning. We call our 1145, that's the next service. We call our 1145 service our power service. Uh, But man, we might have to call it like power service number two. Because the 10 o'clock service, you guys have been praying. I can feel a high level of expectancy in the room. Uh, So if you want to maximize your church experience, I want to give you a few keys. To start with, uh, you come expecting God to do what he said he would do. So don't, don't walk into the house of God like you're walking into McDonald's. Walk into the house of God expecting God to do what he said. What are some of the things that he said he'd do? He said he'd heal your body. Well, I've never heard anybody being healed in church. They get healed at this church a lot. A lady right here the other day, she had a tumor uh, on, her, on, her, on her breast. She came up. We were praying for cancers to be killed. She'd already had cancer one time. She had a tumor on her breast. Uh, I, I, said, I said, well, I, just, I demand that that thing go in the name of Jesus, according to John 14. I said, now see if you can feel it, because she could feel it right there on her chest. She said, no, it's still there. I said, well, I command it to go. I said, check again. She checked again. I said, I command that thing to go. She said, it's still there. I said, I command it to go in the name of Jesus. She reached She said, my God. I said, what? She said, it's shrinking. I said, that's all I needed to know. Praise the Lord. She goes to the doctor the next day to get the biopsy done. It might have been two days later. I'm not sure if it was the next day or two days. But she goes to get the biopsy done. Doctor comes in and said, now, where, where'd that thing go? They did a mammogram, couldn't find it, said, you don't need a, uh, you don't need a biopsy on anything because you don't have a lump in your breast. God will do exactly what he said he would do. Her son comes to church uh, like four days later, five days later, maybe, maybe 10 days. It was one of our next services. He comes and he goes, he goes, hey, gives me a high five. He says, hey, awesome, man. My mom got healed. Praise the name of the Lord. We get done with with church. We're about to dismiss. And all of a sudden we, we do exactly what we just did. We began to pray that God would heal everybody's physical body. I said, if you need healing, be healed in the name of Jesus. Everybody's sitting there. Right after service, he comes up and he goes, man. I said, what? He said, God healed my shoulder. He said, I had a rotator cuff thing. I couldn't lift my hand up. And he starts waving his arm around. He said, he said God just did it. I said, praise the Lord. He calls me back. Three days later, he says, he said, I just got to tell you, like, when I said God healed me, I was for real. I said, well, I for real believed you. Praise the Lord. He said, no. He said, he said, it has affected my life. He said, I didn't even know. He said, now I'm completely healed. He said, God touched me. I said, so God touched your mama and then God touched you. God is still in the healing business. So come to church expecting God to do what he said. Come to church expecting uh, uh, for you to receive from God. Number two, do exactly what you did already. Engage in worship. You don't have to worship like me. You don't have to worship like anybody around you, but you do need to engage. We lift our hands at this church. I'll tell you why we lift our hands. The scripture says in Lamentations that we're lifting our heart when we lift our hands. 
It's an international sign of surrender. Anywhere you go, if you put your hands up on a battlefield, you're saying, I surrender. We're saying, God, I surrender to you. So uh, when you lift your hands, you don't have to, but when you do, especially if somebody from the platform calls for it, when you do that, if all you can conjure up is just one of these right here. Now all of a sudden, you're trying to engage. We put the words on the wall so you'll know the words, so you don't have to look down at the hymnal. We love hymns. We put them on the wall so that everybody can look up. You can, you can literally decide to engage. You, said, you say, look, Pastor, I can't hardly sing. Well, listen, let me just tell you something. There's some people that sit around me that can't sing either. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. We're going in the ditch. Not even in my sermon yet. I'm already having to pull it back on the road. Praise the Lord. You don't have to, you don't have to sing like anybody else around you. But the Bible says make a joyful noise, you know. So you just engage. You just engage in worship. Why, why is that so important? Because he'll inhabit the praises of his people. I can give you scripture after scripture after scripture where there's two people side by side. One receives everything they need from God and the other one goes home empty-handed because one chose to engage while the other did not. Lastly, receive the word. Now, when I grew up in church, that was a pretty common, you know, you need to receive it, you need to receive it. What does that mean? It means you actively listen when the word of God is being taught. You know, don't, don't come in here and waste the next 30 minutes of your life and leave here the same. Hear what the word of God, I'm going to read straight from the Bible, hear what the word of God says, and then Apply it to your life, but actively listen. Try to receive the word. What's that word say? Give me something I can use tomorrow, Lord. Pull on. It doesn't matter if it's me preaching or if we, if we have somebody else up here preaching. Look, you try to pull that out of that person, and what will happen is you'll begin to receive from God. Listen, the person next to you may or may not, but you make the decision when you walk in. You say, I'm expecting God to move. I'm going to engage in worshiping my creator and then I'm going to receive. Nobody else may receive, but I'm going to receive from the word of God. Give God a big hand of praise. Let's get right into it. Mark chapter five. I want to talk this morning about faith and operation. Our church is in a mode of new beginnings and faith and operation. Faith in operation is the most powerful form of faith because faith without operation or without accompanying works is actually dead, doesn't even, does nothing. So faith that is without works or something in operation close to it has no power. So we want to make sure that our faith is ready to go. Somebody say amen. amen. Mark chapter 5 verse 1. They came over onto the other side of the sea, that's Jesus and the disciples, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with a demon or an unclean spirit. Verse 3, he, uh, who had dwelling among, he dwelled among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. No, number one, if you are taking notes, and I always recommend you take notes, even if you have to do it on your phone, you never know what you're going to want to remember because the Bible says, write the vision and make it plain. I have an eight-year-old son. He builds stuff. Is he eight? Have an eight-year-old son. He builds stuff all the time. Uh, all the time he's built us. Dad, look, I built this for mom. I built this for this. And he's always designing it first. And so we've had several conversations recently of how important being able to read what you write down is. 
because you are writing so that you will be able to see it again, praise the Lord. So in his little eight-year-old uh, energy level, he's wanting to write it really, really fast. I said, no. I said, you need to, you write as fast as you can, but you still have to be able to read it because next week you're going to want to be able to remember and read what, uh, read what you have written down. So taking notes is not just uh, for the sake of taking notes. It's because you don't know, I was doing it, I was doing it today. Uh, I was looking back during the first service. I was looking back in my notebook. I use these notebooks. I like them, uh, but I use these notebooks as my journal. I use them to prepare my sermons. I use them to uh, when I'm mapping anything out, and I, I, most of the time I'll date the pages so that I can look back and I can see uh, what was I thinking at this time, what did God do, what did he not do, uh, all those different things. So when you take notes, you're preparing yourself for the victory, and it helps you to remember what God has promised you that he was going to do. Somebody say amen. amen. So the Bible says in Mark chapter 1, they got off the boat, and then verse 2, it said, immediately this man with a demon came and, 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 and showed himself to, to Jesus. So number one, if you're taking notes, the devil does not wait, so neither should you. The devil doesn't wait, so neither should you. So get the picture. Jesus and the disciples, they share a message on the other side of the sea. Then he, he says, man, I got to go to the other side. They go to the other side. There's a great big storm between them getting to the other side and where they get to. And then they get there. And as soon as they get off of the boat, the Bible says immediately a man with a demon runs up to where Jesus is. So the, the reality is this. When it comes to your kids, your children, those that you have influence over, the enemy is not going to wait to try to put stuff against them, so we cannot wait to try to put God in them. Somebody say amen. amen. New Heights Kids is a phenomenal children's ministry uh, associated with the church. Uh, right back here, your kids are welcome to be back there. Uh, it goes up to age 12, and then at age 12, we begin to transition those children into leaders because we're not just raising uh, 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 children were raising the next generation, praise the Lord. Uh, but New Heights kids, they're not babysitting back there. They're back there doing everything we can to get them exposed to the things of God because the devil's not waiting. He's not going to wait for their friend at school. Uh, he's, he's not going to wait. And, and before you know it, you're having to explain something to your child that you wish you didn't have to explain at the age that they are. Am I the only parent in the room? Praise the Lord. You get there and they, they say something. You're like, my God, where did you hear that? And they're like, well, I was watching TV and this, 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 this. And I'm like, goodness gracious. You see, the enemy of God doesn't wait. So we can't wait either. We have to do one thing and we have to get good at it. We have to begin to get aggressive when we put our faith in operation. The enemy does not want you coming to a church like this, I promise you. He does not want you listening to worship music between services. He does not want you reading your Bible. He will fight you from reading your Bible like he was fighting you from your next drink of water. He will fight you from praying. Oh, let, me, let me just say, all you got to do is decide you're going to pray. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to think about the grocery list you hadn't picked up. You're going to think about all the, th all the fact that your oil, oil needs changing in your car. It's all a word, babe. 
Oil. The oil change in your car. You're going to be everything, everything you didn't accomplish at work, you're going to start thinking about it because the devil will do anything in his power to remind you of all the other stuff if you won't do the one thing that can change everything and that's connect with Almighty God. Because when you can connect with Almighty God, you are impossible to stop. Somebody say impossible. impossible. You're impossible. He can't stand you connecting with God. He can't stand you connecting with other believers. He can't stand you saying, yeah, I'm glad Tom Brady is Tom Brady, but I just want to talk about Jesus for a minute at the lunch table. He's glad that everything, he's glad that the weather has changed and it's not so cold, but sometimes we don't want to talk about the weather all day. Sometimes we don't want to talk about uh, the TV show all day. I want to know what is God doing in your life right now? Because if we can magnify God, we can have everything he said we can have. So number one, the devil doesn't wait. We're not going to wait. Somebody say amen. The Bible says they couldn't bind him with chains, verse four, because they had tried to do that with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him. They, he just pulled them off and the fetters, the, the shackles were broken into pieces and nobody could tame him or subdue him. And always, somebody say always, the devil never quits. You're not going to get to a place in God where the devil quits trying to discourage you. So you've got to get comfortable knowing he's trying to discourage you. There's a great uh, hero of faith named Smith Wigglesworth. And the Bible said one day, uh, uh, this man documented, uh, raised eight people from the dead in his ministry. One of them, I believe, if I remember reading correctly, was actually at the guy's funeral. And he just walked up. And everybody said, what's going on? Well, this man had prayed and believed God, and all of a sudden, boom, God gives this guy a second uh, uh, opportunity at life, if you will. And, and so this guy flowed in great miracles. And one day, he was at his house, and he was upstairs, and he was, he was sleeping, and he heard something downstairs, and he walks downstairs. He had a little lantern. He walks downstairs, and he saw, basically, the devil sitting in a rocking chair, sitting in his chair. And he looked at the devil and he said, oh, it's just you. And he went right back to bed. You see, when you begin to realize that the devil's not going to stop trying to hit you, the only thing is, is you've got to stop paying attention to him. Let me tell you, let me tell you the, the, the quickest ways that he shows up. Somebody will say something to you and all of a sudden it'll, you'll have this thought. You'll have this thought. They should have known better than to say that to you. They should have known, don't they know what you're going through? They should have never said that to you. Why don't you give them a piece of your mind? And before you know it, you got 15 scriptures that'll back up why you should be able to give them, you know, a piece of your mind. Well, Jesus ran them out of the temple with a rope. Every now and then you can throw somebody out. I don't know. But the truth is, he's never going to stop. He's, not, oh, he's always going to be trying. So what you got to do is you got to say, listen, he may sound like a roaring lion. He may be seeking who he may destroy, but I serve the only true living lion of the tribe of Judah. He is undefeated and he is indefeatable and he may be yelling and screaming at me on one, on one side, but there is a still small voice on the other side that is leading me, that is guiding me and he may never shut up, but I will always serve the living God. Give God a big hand of praise in the house. 
if you're ready to serve God at a higher level. Always night and day, he was in the mountains and the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Now, this is just a side note. If you've ever harmed yourself or you have ever felt the urge to harm yourself, I want to be real clear. Uh, that, is a, that, is, that is something that God will help you with. But what the enemy will try to make you think is you're the only one who's ever been through that. And you're not. 2,000 years ago, the devil was still trying to talk somebody into harming themselves. He was still trying to get them to cut themselves. At this church, we've had people delivered of those type things. So if that's you today, God will deliver you right now. Don't you ever cut yourself again. Don't you ever hurt yourself again. Don't you ever listen to that. Don't you ever talk back. Don't you ever speak for the devil about yourself again. Don't you ever look in the mirror and say anything other than I'm the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Because he's been doing the same nonsense since the beginning of time and he's not changing his tactics, but God will set you free today. Somebody say amen. Amen. So he was cutting himself with stones, verse six. But when Jesus, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. So the man that, that was possessed by the devil, he ran over, fell on his face, and worshipped him. But the truth of the matter is, he saw Jesus. Church, we've got to be a people that people can see Jesus in. And they will not see him if all we are is critical. If you've been to our church more than twice, you know what we're about. Church, help me say it. We exist to love people and point them to Christ. If you love people and point them to Christ, they will see Jesus. They will see who he is. But if we live with a critical spirit, a critical way about us, always, oh, they don't worship God exactly how we do. They're wrong and we're right. Number one, that might even be true, but there might not be any benefit to you saying it. You see, what we're trying to do is build a bridge amongst believers and then build a bridge to people who don't know God and make it as simple as possible for them to come in contact with Christ Jesus because if they can meet him, he'll change them like he is changing us. Come on, let's say it again. We exist to love people and point them to Christ. The Bible says that the man saw Jesus from afar off and he came and worshiped him. And the Bible says he cried with a loud voice. This is verse seven and said, what what have I to do with you, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure you by God that you torment me not. I adjure you. Can you picture the devil trying to tell Jesus what to do? I adjure you by God that you torment me not. And, the, and I imagine the disciples are kind of worried because you got this guy who breaks chains off of himself and he lives in tombs and he's always chasing people and he's crazy and he runs over and he falls on his face and all of a sudden the devil starts screaming, Jesus, I'm telling you, you better not mess with me. And Jesus like, it's like, well, first off, don't talk to me like that. Because you know who I am. Second off, the guy says this. The demon on the inside says this because verse 8 said, Jesus had already told the devil to come out. In other words, we've got to, number two, we've got to quit being scared when the devil talks back. We've got to quit being intimidated 
when we say what the Bible says and we don't see it happen right away. We've got to, like I said, this lady, just, just a few weeks ago, we were praying, and God told me, I'm going to get rid of that tumor right now. It was in my spirit. I knew it, sure as I knew anything else. And I'm sitting there, and, and I said, now, now see if you can feel that tumor. And I was fully expecting her to go, no, praise God, it's gone. Let's have a party. And she goes, nope, still there. I'm like, oh. <laughs> um, Jesus, <laughs> I know your voice. You just told me it was going to go. And she said it didn't go. Now you've got an opportunity, see? You've got to quit being surprised when the devil fights back. He's got a lot to lose. He's going to lose your children. He's going to lose your money. He's going to lose your time. He's going to lose everything that he's put his hand on in your life. It's going to be paid back, the Bible says, sevenfold. And now he's called the emergency response line. Like, oh my God, they're preaching the gospel over there. You've got to stop them. Are we okay? You can't be surprised when the devil talks back. Why wouldn't he talk back? He hates you. He hates Jesus. Now, now picture this. You got Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the Son of the Most High, lightning and thunder respond to his voice. He can step out of a boat and walk on water as if it's dry land. He can tell the seas to calm and he steps foot on the beach and as soon as he steps foot on the beach, a man filled with the devil runs over and the devil tells him, I adjure you, I'm telling you, I command you, Jesus. And I could just picture Jesus going, what are you talking about? And that's the picture that we've got to get. When the devil yells at you, that doesn't mean he has authority. It just means he yells loud. He said, I, I command you. Ah, I command you, Jesus. And Jesus, Jesus had already told him. And the Bible says Jesus looked at him. And after he, after he yells at him, he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's your name? You see, and now this is where I really think the devil started to get concerned because at first he knew he had to go because Jesus had already told him to come out of the man. But he began to now say, what is your name? Because there's something that Jesus won't stand for. He will not stand for his people being abused. Somebody say amen. He will not stand for his people being abused. So Jesus said to him, he says, he says, what's your name? And he answered him saying, he said, he said, my name is Legion, so we are many. Most translations indicate that that's about 6,000 devils that are inside this man. Can I just give you one little side note? 6,000 demons could not stop this man from worshiping Jesus. Nothing can stop you from worshiping God. Nothing can stop you. Not a bad day, not a bad business deal, not a bad report. Nothing can stop you from worshiping and magnifying God if you decide that's what I'm going to do. You know, King David said it like this. He said, I will worship the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Did you know he was telling himself what to do? 
You can decide, I'm not going to be uh, uh, bouncing through life and when bad things happen, begin to believe that all bad things are, that's my lot in life and that's the way it's going to be. No, you can decide like, oh, Paul and Cyrus right there, Silas right there in the middle of the midnight hour, right there in the middle of a prison, right there in the darkest, most innermost parts of a prison. You can decide to magnify God. You can say, I'm going to worship God and what will happen in your life is the same thing that happened in their life. You and everybody around you is going to get set free. But somebody in your family has to decide, I'm worshiping God on the good days. I'm worshiping God on the bad days. I'm worshiping God when I understand it. I'm worshiping God when I don't understand it. I'm worshiping God when I see the blessing. And I'm worshiping God when I can't even smell the blessing. I'm worshiping God when I'm on the mountaintop. I'm worshiping God when I'm in the valley. I'm worshiping God when my bills are connected and I'm paid off. I'm worshiping God when I can't make sense of my money. I'm worshiping God when everything's broken loose in my life. I'm worshiping God when all hell is broken loose in my life. But it will be said of me and you can put on my tombstone, there lies a man who worshiped God when he had the opportunity. 6,000 devils can't stop you from worshiping God. There's nothing that can stop you from magnifying our God. And let me just say this, he's worthy. Somebody say that, he's worthy. He's worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be adored. He's worthy to be celebrated. He's worthy to be pursued. He's worthy to be, to have your, to literally change your schedule because of who he is. If you've never been to our Wednesday night service, I, I'm t- you got to come to our Wednesday night service. You got to come. You got to come. Let me tell you what God does. Nobody that comes to church on a Wednesday night does it without rearranging their schedule. So you can't tell yourself, well, they just have time. No, they made time. They made time to be there. And when you do that, listen, I know it just sounds like a little thing, but God sees that. There's nothing, see, when we say seed time and harvest or you reap what you sow, in, 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 in circles that we come from, a lot of us, most time we think about finances or a lot of time we do, but that's everything. There's nothing you can't sow into the kingdom that God won't pay back. You can't sow time that you don't have more time back. You can't sow energy that he doesn't give you more energy. Let me give you the the best example of reaping and sowing I can give you, and it's instantaneous. Everybody look me right in the face. Just right right in my my eyeballs if you can. And I'll try and catch everybody's eyes at one time. Watch this. One, two, three. I sowed a smile, and I reaped. Smiles. Anything you sow, you're going to reap. That Wednesday night service, if you'll say, Lord, I'm just going to move it around. I know that means I'm going to have to help the kids with their, with their schoolwork after. That means I'm going to have to do this. That means you may have to go to work prepared to be at church. You may have to take everything that you would have taken. You may have to take it with you. You start making those little subtle adjustments, a year of new beginnings and faith in operation, and you'll see God move like you've never seen him move. Give God another hand of praise. I still just get tickled that this devil thought he could tell Jesus what to do. He said, I'm telling you, you leave me alone, thou son of the most high God. And Jesus said, wait a minute, boy. What's your name? He said, my name's Legion, for we are many. Verse 10. And the Bible says the devil besought him much that he would not send him away out of the country. That word besought in the original language is begged. 
I don't know how long this took. It couldn't have been more than a minute. But in one minute, the devil went from commanding and demanding to begging for his life. The only thing Jesus did is what he wants you to do today. To stand your ground in faith. Stop letting the devil push you. You are going to succeed. You are going to win. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. I know it looks like it's prospering. I get it. I know it looks like it's never going to work out. That's my favorite kind of story. There's no way. It can't happen. I just heard God is about to do the impossible in your situation. There's no way it can make sense. There's no way it would happen. Well, with God, all things are possible. So the minute you get into the realm of the impossible, that's the moment that it got outside of your care, custody, and control, and now God is activated in your life. Well, if I can't do it, he must can do it. So the scripture says that 6,000 devils couldn't stop the man from worshiping. Number one, uh, the devil doesn't wait, neither should we. Number two, stop being scared when the devil talks back. Just tell him again. Well, I don't, I don't want to tell him again. Well, you're either going to have to tell him again or he's going to be standing there yelling at you again the next day. You got to take some ownership of your faith and put it in operation. And when you do, now all of a sudden these things begin to look like molehills instead of mountains in your life. And so he said, he said, what's your name? He said, my name's Legion. Then all of a sudden the demon begins to beg. He's begging Jesus. Oh, please don't send me out of this country. I love this place. This is the place that I just love to be. I love hanging out here. In other words, there are places where the devil has more authority than other places. You can't hang out everywhere you used to hang out. You can't hang out with all the people you used to hang out with. You can't be sitting there, bellied up to the bar and Jim Beam, and then be asking God to be doing everything in your life. No, there are places where the enemy has more control, has more authority, has more freedom, and you may go back there, but don't you go back there like everybody else. You go like Jesus did. The only reason Jesus went to the Gadarenes was to set somebody free. He didn't go over there to start cutting himself alongside of him. He didn't go there to start complaining and drinking and smoking and all the other nonsense with him. He went over and he said, I came to set captives free. Show me where the captives are. There are places we don't need to be. That doesn't mean we don't go in there from a ministry standpoint. I, I, matter of fact, if that's your uh, passion in life, I encourage you to do it. But don't you be, be, be spending all your time at the bar than trying to figure out why you can't hear the voice of God? Oh, he can speak to you at the bar. Yeah, but there's some places where the waters are troubled, where he speaks more often, and that's the place he wants his children to be because there are places where you can open up opportunities for the devil that should have never been been opened in your life. Now, I'm talking kind of extreme now, but on the flip side, it can be as simple as this. Maybe there's somebody that every time you talk to them, you find yourself gossiping about somebody else. Maybe you find yourself talking, bless God, maybe you find yourself talking about a preacher or another Christian. Every time you get around them, just yep, 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 yep. Every time that happens, let me just tell you something. You got enough faith and you got enough strength to break that, but at the end of it, there are portals that can be opened because we decide to walk into certain places and I serve a God that when I walk in somewhere, I'm changing the atmosphere. The atmosphere is not going to change me. So when you walk in a room, you decide, I'm going to walk in this room full of faith and I'm going to walk out of this room full of faith. 
Somebody might walk out with me and they're gonna be full of faith too, but the devil's not gonna tell me what to do. He can try to command, he can try to say this, but at the end, he can beg for his life, but he's only gonna do what I tell him to do because Jesus gave us the fullness of his authority. There's places we just shouldn't go. There's things we shouldn't, we shouldn't, we shouldn't partake in. And because what happens is you open the door. You say, you say well, 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 name me five. I'm not naming you any. You work your salvation out with, your, with fear and trembling, but you work it out on your own. See, I'm not here to itemize sin. I'm here to celebrate Jesus. Because here's the truth of it. You know, rolling up something and smoking it in God's eyes is the same as you gossiping about somebody on a church pew. It's the same thing. So when we're complaining and we're, we're backbiting, it's the same thing to God. So for us, let's just quit for, we're, uh, focusing on the sin and let's focus on the one who sets sinners free. Come on, give God a big hand of praise this morning. What's your name? He said, my name's Legion because I'm many. He besought him, he begged him, he said, please don't send me out of this country. I love this bar. I love this bar. I love being here. Please don't send me out of here. Verse 11. Now there was nigh in the mountains a great herd of swine feeding pigs. You got a picture. Jesus and pigs don't mix. Because Jesus is a Jew still. He's Hebrew. They don't, they, don't, they, don't, they don't eat pork. They don't mess with pork. They're just a Jew. That, that's, one of the, that's one of the statutes who they are. A swine is considered unclean. So the devil said... Uh, uh, the, the, the devils begged him, verse 12. And they said, would you please just send us into the pigs? Would you just let us live in those old hogs out there on that? Boy, all you got to do to a guy from East Texas is, is bring up pigs or hogs. And I just feel my accent getting thicker and thicker and thicker. Got them old hogs out there on that, on that, on that hill over there, the hog, over yonder on the hill, them old hogs was out there. And the Bible says that the devil was begging him, would you just send us in the pigs? Verse 13, and forthwith Jesus gave him leave. In other words, he gave him permission. So the devil was trying to tell Jesus what to do, trying to command him, when the truth of it is he could do nothing except what Jesus told him to do. He said he, said he gave him permission and the, and the devils, the unclean spirits, 6,000, went and entered into the pigs and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They went and committed suicide. 2,000 hogs. 2,000 pigs. And they drowned in the sea. I want you to see the power of God's creation. Because pigs weren't made in God's likeness and God's image. But you were. And the devil had been trying to kill that man probably for years. Trying to get him to cut himself in the right spot. Trying to get him to go and jump off that same hill. But even if you don't know God yet, there's a spark on the inside of you that God and only God can put in you. And no devil in hell can snuff your life. The pigs couldn't handle it. The minute suicide got on them, they were gone. But you are not a pig. You are in God's likeness and God's image. And if you've ever had a suicidal thought, God's going to set you free today. Because he never intended for you to be living with the, with the thought or the idea of hurting and harming yourself. 
Just the fact that this man was in God's image and God's likeness was strong enough that he lived until he finally, even afar off, saw Jesus. See, there's people in your life that you know right now, maybe you don't know how bad they're hurting, but the only thing they need to see is Jesus. And the only Jesus they're going to see is the Jesus in you. The Bible says they ran, they, they, they threw themselves off a cliff. Verse 14, And they that had fed the swine fled and told in the city, they went and told everybody what they had seen, and they went out, everybody went out to see what was done. And they came to Jesus and they saw the man. Oh, you're going to love this. They came to Jesus and they saw the man that was possessed with the devil and had the legion, the 6,000 devils, sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. Remember, they used to be scared to walk by the graveyard because he'd come out and chase them. Now something more powerful than him is standing on the beach. Something more powerful than 6,000 demons all in one place is standing on the beach. And everybody comes from town and said, my God, what kind of power is this that even the devil himself listens? The Bible says he sees him. He sit, they see him. He's sitting and clothed. You know, the Bible says this, that you and me are seated in heavenly places. I think Jesus was probably sitting there beside him. I got people in my life that when I see them, I can't get my hands off of them. I just got to hug them. I hadn't always been a hugger, by the way. It took having kids to make me a hugger. But there's people in my life now I haven't seen them. Some of them I don't see them for years. But we've been in, we've been in foxholes together. We've been in problems together. And they're full of faith. And when I see them, I just got to be close to them. And all I want to do is sit down and share a cup of coffee or a meal. Or let's just share a story. Tell me what God do in your life. Tell me what did God do in your life. And I could just see this man sitting there. And, and, and this, see, this is what happened to me whenever Jesus really changed my life. When I was an 18, 19-year-old young man full of fire and, and passion. But, but not exactly sure where to put it all. And Jesus changed my life. And the only thing I wanted to do was be close to him. If you'll touch me like that, if you'll change me like that, if you'll heal me like that, all I want to do is be close to you. So if you're sitting on the beach, I'm sitting on the beach. I could see him sitting there. Maybe Jesus is leaning on the boat. Maybe Jesus is leaning on the boat and the man's just sitting there. Maybe he's close enough where he can just, just kind of, every now and then, just kind of just touch the Jesus' shoe. Just, just, I just got to be close. You got to understand, guys. I've been trying to kill myself for years and Jesus just set me free. That's what he's saying. So they walk up and they go, my God, this man is, is, is clothed. That means he covered all his scars. He spent years cutting himself. He spent years harming himself. I don't know where the clothes came from. Maybe Jesus just said, poof, you're dressed. I don't know. Or maybe Peter said, hey, bro, take my coat. You see, the Bible says if your friend needs a coat, you should give it to him. It's not that we can do everything, but bless God, we can do something. And now the man, the fact that he's taken care of, and this happens in a moment, 
everybody knows God has touched you. This is what I'm talking about when I say God is going to use the blessing on your life to further his kingdom on earth because it was shocking that the man's needs were met. Just like that. He goes from being a suicidal maniac living in a graveyard to all of a sudden, all of his needs are met. He's sitting, and get this. It says he's sitting there clothed in his right mind. Stress is not God's plan for your life. Now, we'll all feel it. Don't get me wrong. Living for Jesus doesn't alleviate stress completely. It just means it doesn't have the authority over our life anymore. The Bible says the man is sitting in his right mind. And everybody now was more concerned about what kind of power can tell this man to sit. And he sits when we've sent hundreds of people to try to wrestle him into submission. Don't try to wrestle everybody into submission to God. You will wear yourself out. What they need is an encounter with Jesus. Just let them see Jesus in you. When they say something harsh to you, don't return spite. Turn the other cheek. If they say something mean to you and hurtful and you shouldn't even do that, oh, you're just too church. Whatever they say, you just decide before you get there, the only thing they're going to see in me is Jesus. That means I'm going to be to them to the best of your ability and he will help you what he is to you. Verse 17, almost done. Is it okay if we just read from the Bible in church? Come on, somebody say amen. Lock in with me. We've got about five more minutes. This is the part that will change your life. They began to pray. They began to ask Jesus to leave, to depart from their coasts. Verse 16. And they that saw it told him how it befell to him that the one possessed with the devil. And then they also told him about the swine. Verse 17. And they began to ask Jesus to leave. Number three. Hear me when I say this, please. Don't miss Jesus holding on to your swine. Don't hold on to the hogs in your life and miss the Son of God. Don't hold on to the filth in your life and miss the Son of God. Don't hold on to the swine in your life and miss the Son of God. These guys came by and one person had been so radically transformed, saved, and delivered that 6,000 demons no longer had authority over them and everybody was just going, yeah, but what about the pigs though? But, but, but can't, can't we still have Budweiser and serve Jesus? Can't we still smoke cigarettes and serve Jesus? I'm not here to tell you you can or can't. That's not my job. My job is to love people and point them to Christ. What I'm telling you is you hold on to your pigs too tightly, you'll miss Jesus because in two or three more verses, he's getting back on the boat and he's going to the other side of the sea. 
Don't hold on to your swine so tightly. Don't hold on to some idiosyncrasy in your life, some racism thought in your life that's been there for generation after generation in your family. Don't hold on to some uh, uh, poor pitiful me thought pattern. Don't hold on to some scarcity mentality so tightly that you say, this is the one area of my life that I don't want Jesus to change because I'm telling you, whatever area you withhold from Him will stay exactly the same. Whatever area you hold from Him, whatever area you keep from Him, it'll stay exactly the same. It will never change. But any area that you expose, you see, the Bible says the man was naked when Jesus found him. That means there was nothing hidden. And because nothing was hidden, He was able to heal him from top to bottom. But if we're so concerned about our pigs... The stuff, well, what's it going to cost me? I'm here to tell you, if anybody ever told you different, they're just inaccurate. It will cost you everything. Everything. Well, I don't know about that. Well, it will cost you your whole life. It's an exchange. His life for your life. The difference is, he didn't ask you to die. He asked you to live because he died. Don't hold your pigs so tightly that you miss the miracles of God. What's a, well, give me an example of a pig preacher. I've never seen anybody get healed. Well, you can keep your pigs. We're going to keep seeing people get healed. Praise the Lord. I've never seen anybody shout and magnify God. Well, you can keep your hogs. We're going to keep seeing people get healed, set free, delivered, set on a solid rock. We're going to see it. We're not going to miss Jesus for the sake of a bunch of swine. The scripture continues. They told him, said, go away, Jesus. Verse 18. And when he come into the ship, would y'all please stand to your feet? When he come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed, asked Jesus, I want to go with you. Can't you just hear your own voice there? I just want to go where you are, Jesus. Jesus said to him, he said, no, you can't go with me. This is a picture. Later he did it to the disciples. Oh, we want to go with you, Jesus. He says, no, you can't go with me. So I'm going to prepare a place for you. And where I go, there's many mansions. He said, but I won't leave you comfortless. He said, because if I go, I'll send the gift, the promise of the Holy Spirit. He'll help you. This is a picture of what's happening here. He said, I just want to go with you, Jesus. I want to go now. I want to go now. He said, no, you've got to stay here. Some of you, you've asked God, why am I even here? It's because you've got something to do for him. You didn't have anything else to do. You'd already be on those golden streets. But he's got something for you to do. He said, no, you can't stay with me. He said, going home to your friends. Who's your friends? The people that you have a voice in their life. I don't have a voice in your friend's life. But you do. Tell your friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and that He had compassion on you. Number four, if we're going to live with our faith in operation, number one, the devil doesn't wait. Number two, don't be scared when the devil talks back. Number three, don't hold on to your pigs. My God, let them go. Just, get, just quit worrying about the swine. Quit worrying about the pigs in your life. It's going to cost you everything. It, it will cost you everything to live for God, for real. To see God move in your life, for real, it will cost you everything. Number four, just like this man, you have to tell your story. 
Let's say that together. Tell your story. You got to tell your story. But you don't have to make them believe it. That's God's job. If God's done something in your life, find somebody to tell it to. If God's done something for you, find somebody to tell it to. Jesus said, tell them what I did for you and tell them how I had compassion on you. That's the two-part recipe for how you should speak to your friends regarding God. Tell them what God did for you. You can tell them what He did for me, but it's not as powerful as what He did for you. You tell them, well, He did this for my preacher. and I'll tell you what, it's not nearly as powerful as what He did for you. Tell them how He had compassion. Eyes of love and understanding that only exist in who Christ is. Church, we're going to put our faith in operation. Somebody say amen. amen. Please bow your head and close your eyes. I don't want to end this service without giving you a chance to be right with God if you're not. If you're not living right, you're not doing right, Jesus is not Lord of your life. You say, I've been holding on to these pigs too long when I should have just kept my eyes on Him. Maybe that's you. Maybe you say, I used to walk strong with Him, but I'm backslidden. So you say, I either, I've never said yes to Jesus or somehow I missed it. If that's you and you want to get right with God today, what He wants you to hear is, I'll do it for you and I have great compassion. If that's you and you want to give your heart to Jesus today for the first time, maybe the first time in a long time, when I count to three, lift your hand tall and bold. There'll be lots of you. One, two, three. Lift your hands. I see that hand. 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 I'm very proud of you, young man. There is no age too young to give your heart to Jesus. Is there anyone else? I see that hand. There are others here. I see that hand. There are others here. You said, I see that hand. There are others here. You say this. You say, you say, I don't know how to go all in, but I want to. It starts with lifting your hand right now, and he'll do it. One, two, three. Lift it high. No one's looking around. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Praise the Lord. Come on, church. Let's all pray this together. If you lifted your hand or you wanted to, pray this from the bottom of your heart. Let's all say it together. Say, oh God, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Write my name in your book. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for my victory. I'm now going to live a life full of faith. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or the first time in a long time, I want you to know God has forgiven you. You are completely clean in God's eyes. Live that way. When the doors are open, be in the house of the Lord. We're changed from glory to glory. Be in God's house and see what He won't do for your life. If you're here today and you've never joined our great church, but you know this is the place for you, you feel it in your spirit. The Bible says those that partner together with this ministry, they are a partaker of every grace that's on this house. Healing, health, prosperity. And every time somebody comes to uh, the knowledge of Jesus, that goes to your account because we're stronger together. If that's you and you've never joined this church, we'd love for you to do it. Uh, you can take the card out of the seat in front of you fill it out super simple mark on there you want to be a member and drop it by the tent after service the Bible says those that are planted in God's house they'll flourish in his courts drop it there and we'll get you all the information about being a believer about being a believer and being a member of this great church amen 
Give God one more big hand of praise. Let me pray a blessing on you, please. Father, in Jesus' name, bless your people coming in. Bless them going out. Bless them in the city and the field, this day and every day, as we put our faith in operation. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.